Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Spin Rate presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. That's right, this is Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice. So excited to be here talking with you about your Toronto Blue Jays on a little bit of a run, off to a bit of a, a, a good go here as the Blue Jays have returned to Toronto, facing some of the dregs of the American League Central, which you just love to see. You heard Caitlin and I, Caitlin McGrath, co-host of Spin Rate, who, of course, you can read at The Athletic. We talked about the weekend that was. I'm excited this midweek episode, where we it's usually myself and a guest, I'm really excited to talk to Shai Davidi of Sportsnet. Shai has been covering the team um, for a long time at Sportsnet and with the Canadian press before that. Great to talk to him. Great to, to pick his brain about what he sees, about, about the thought process maybe that may have went into some of the moves that the Blue Jays make. Shai and I had a great chat. Easy to do because Shai's a really nice and agreeable guy. How can you not have a great chat? Here's my spoiler alert. I'm telling you this is a good episode because Sean Green's name gets mentioned. That is the gold standard by which all good episodes are mentioned. Did Sean, or by, by measured, did Sean Green get a shout out? If he did, you're listening to a good episode of the show. This episode of the show, like all the other episodes of the show, are available to you. No matter if you are an athletic subscriber or otherwise, you can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you want. Subscribe to this show, give us a rating, give us a like, do all that amazing stuff that helps us feed the algorithm, helps us get the show in front of Blue Jays fan eyeballs, and we always want to welcome more folks uh, in. And if this is your first time listening, thank you so much for taking the time. If you haven't subscribed yet to The Athletic, you can do that as well at theathletic.com slash spinrate where you can read everything that Caitlin writes about the Blue Jays. You can read the big national guys. You can read Eno, and you can read Ken Rosenthal and Keith Law and everybody as they describe the goings-on in the baseball world. And you can read about hockey, basketball. You want to read what Blake has to say about Kyle Lowry? Really, uh, really nice and affecting, beautiful piece, as you come to expect from Blake Murphy, the king of the Raptors beat. All that stuff available to you if you are an athletic subscriber. So again, theathletic.com slash spinrate. Hook that up. Subscribe to the show. Do that. I hope you're enjoying the sights and sounds of the Blue Jays playing at home in Toronto with the roof open, as it should be, as a default, almost all the time, playing against Cleveland. Hopefully, presumably, uh, fingers crossed, still uh, doing good things against Cleveland and their, uh, their, their wretched existing uniforms. They're on their way out. The point is, I'm going to talk to Shai Davidi. You're going to listen. It's going to be a great time. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Spin Right. Shai, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Pleasure as always, Drew. Uh, it is an exciting time to be covering the Toronto Blue Jays. Last week, I imagine, was very busy. And now uh, it's not getting any less busy because they're winning ballgames. And this is a team that not only signaled to us that they were going to try to win, but 
is in fact in the middle of doing that now. Uh, is this a, is this a good way to be here in the what should be the dog days of August? But it's like you're writing a different story every day because there's lots of storylines around this Toronto Blue Jays team. Yeah, it definitely does not feel like dog days of August at all, right? Because uh, obviously you get the emotional return home, which was uh, amazing for our city and for for the province and sort of where we are in the pandemic, uh, first and foremost, but then just sort of uh, a nice sort of symbol of normalcy. Uh, so that was a, a huge energy boost, uh, which I also do think uh, the players are feeling as well. And, you know, it's sort of easy to be cynical about that stuff sometimes and just think, oh, a lot of guys are just saying the right thing, but you know, the more that I've been talking to people is that it's pretty genuine. I think that guys are really excited to be back and it does actually mean a lot to them. Uh, and then the baseball has been super interesting too, right? Cause I don't know. I've been trying to, to not do the parallels to 2015 or uh, not to overdo the parallels to 2015, but they're just there, right? They're staring you in the face and um, and even somebody, uh, one of somebody with the Blue Jays came up to me the other day and just, just randomly said, kind of reminds you of 2015 a little bit, doesn't it? And, you know, we, we kind of laughed about it, but, uh, you know, they've got an opportunity to really take off and they're, they're taking care of business against KC and Cleveland, the, the teams they need to be beating. And, you know, it's going to be a super intriguing weekend with that series against the Red Sox. The Red Sox are are in a bit of a rough shape right now. Not looking not looking great uh, this last week against Detroit. But I think it's really interesting uh, because the similarities between 2015 and, and 2021 are obvious. But at the same time, the teams are you know kind of at their core quite different. That was almost like a little bit of a last kick at the can. A very veteran group. Well, these guys are young. It would have been easy, or, or maybe, maybe this is—I should put this as a question. Do you think it would have been easy for the Blue Jays to have not kind of thrown it into fourth gear with the with the move to acquire acquire a player like Jose Barrios? Because they, they, it would have been easy for them to stand pat and be like, "Don't worry, we're going to be good, good uh, next year." What do you think? Do you think that the run differential kind of contributed to that, or do you think it's just like they can read the writing on the wall and feel like this is an opportunity for this team? So I think there are a couple. A couple of pieces there that are, are super important. So one, yes, you're absolutely right that analytically you could have made the case like stand pat, keep the prospects. You know, let let's just kick a, kick the can down the road a little bit, and you could have been very justifiable in taking that approach. And I think that this front office realized that if they did that, they would be maybe betraying is too strong a word, but I think that it would have it it would have re- created some frustration among their players, right? Because they're like, you know, we're here, we we think we're good. You don't think we're good enough. You're not going to augment us. You're not going to make a move to to help us out. And you know, so I think there's that piece. Like you you you've got to keep pushing forward. And once you sign Springer to that contract, you know, you're you're on the track where you start making those types of deals for for the for Jose Barrios, where you're giving up a lot of future value to to create some present value. Uh, but you know, the other piece, and I don't think this swayed them, but I think it was in the back of their mind at least, was that you know you're coming back to Toronto. There's energy. You've got to you've got to reengage your fans. You've got you're back in the city, and then to to have come out of the deadline, you know, with just you know the the moves, the earlier moves for for Simber and Trevor Richards and and Corey Dickerson, 
you know, I, I don't, I just don't think that would have resonated with the fan base and still people will still would have been happy and there, there still would have been excitement, but you know, it's just like, it would have just been a, a very lackluster return where now it was like, yeah, we're back, we're here, we're in it. And you know, we're not just thinking about this year. We're thinking about next year too. And then once you get Jose Barrios into the mix, like now you've got a year and a half to, to sway them about the, about the merits of Toronto and, you know, do some of the advanced work that the, you know, the twins had the, had the leg up on uh, and, you know, the Blue Jays should be pay him, able to pay him in a way that the twins couldn't. So I think all those pieces played into it. Uh, but I, I do think that if they hadn't kind of, if they had stood pat, it, it, it would have been sending a wrong message to, to the players in the clubhouse. And that's something my, uh, my sense is that they were pretty cognizant of. I, I you don't you don't have to look any further than what happened in Seattle, where maybe the Seattle front office had a more sober view of their team and their sort of run of good luck versus the, the sustainability of that, but also obviously a really unpopular move with the players where the Blue Jays not you know, they I think and, and I'd love to get your sense of this that the price as it sort of adjusted as the day and the deadline approached, maybe that was something that soften that blow a little bit when if the if maybe minnesota had settled on on austin martin and the blue jays had been like you know we we are very cognizant of the things that he can do well but also if they're stuck if they if they're happy with him maybe we could be happy to to not be happy but that's a name that we are more comfortable with where if the price stayed higher it maybe they wouldn't have uh have allowed them to be, be so aggressive and kind of have their cake and eat yeah i mean the price was definitely higher earlier in the week and at that point, it was a non-starter. And once it got down to, you know, into something that resembled the Martin Woods Richardson package that it ended up being, at that point, it was a little bit more palatable and was something they could realistically consider. And, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, I was at the Futures game in Denver and uh, I was having a conversation with, uh, with a baseball person. And they said to me, what do you think of Austin Martin? Uh, and I said, well, you know, I've, I saw, I just saw him play for three innings. That's, that's the first time I've really seen him. Uh, but this is, these are my impressions. Mm-hmm. And the person said, you know, I'm not sure he's that good. Uh, and, you know, I think that was a harsh view, but there is a polarity about him. You know, so I think there's some people who look at him and say they're not sure where he fits. And some people who are like, well, maybe he'll be a high OBP guy who controls the strike zone who plays center field, but maybe he's not a superstar. Uh, so I, I don't know if that tipped the scales for the Blue Jays, but, you know, and I do know there are some people who are, who are all in on him in the organization. And, you know, for them, it was a really, really tough deal to make. But I wonder if there was maybe some volatility in what he ends up being that helped sway them to make this deal. And look, I mean, if you're going to get Jose Barrios, like, you know, like you're going to have to pay a price, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. a year and a half of Craig Kimbrell cost the White Sox uh, Nick Madrigal, who's a, who's a major league player for five more years. Like you just don't see that kind of price out there. So, you know, I think when, you know, with, with that as a bit of a frame of reference, you know, I, I don't think the Blue Jays overpaid for Brios. I know there are people in the industry who think they do. Uh, and I think there are others who think they made an amazing deal. So uh, it, it, to me, to me, it's really, really fascinating, but like, 
you know, if that if that price hadn't changed over the course of the week, then this deal doesn't happen, right? And that was that was the the furthest the Blue Jays were willing to go. And uh, you know, when the moment of truth came, they did. I think uh, we need to page Dr. Freud when you're talking about uh, Austin Martin, and you go to Nick Madrigal, where it's like maybe they're kind of the same guy. I mean, that's not <laughs> something you want to think about in like a top five draft pick, but not, not again, it's so easy. And, and I know that I've been guilty of it. So many of us have been like, wow, that guy was covered in warts anyway, but uh, the, his bat to ball skills are, are enviable. And that he right. has a chance to be a very strong major league regular, even with changing very little, assuming he finds a position. Right. I mean, like this is not to say that he's not going to be a good player. And let's not forget about, you know, Woods Richardson, who, who's, you know, got you know elite command at at uh, nineteen or twenty, whatever he is right now, and already at double A. You know, the you know the Blue Jays could feel some pain uh, in terms of what they gave up here. But you know, you've at a certain point, you've got to stop worrying about the future and start worrying about the present. Uh, it's it's really it was a really interesting trade deadline because you saw a lot of teams who were on the fence going for it, and you know, and, and just having some conversations with people. You know, one school of thought is that you came out of the pandemic and you, you know, you're sort of on the cusp. You can't retreat, right? Like you're just trying to get fans back into the stadium. You've got to keep people excited. You've got to keep people engaged. So, you know, that may have been one dynamic at play. Uh, and then, you know, maybe there's some other executives out there that are just like, you know, we can't keep you know, managing this, like it's a stock portfolio forever. Like, yeah, you got to be cognizant of the the present and the future, but you know, when you have an opportunity to win, you know, that's valuable too. And you shouldn't piss that away. And, you know, I think we saw a little bit of that also. And I wonder if this maybe marks a point where there's a bit of a shift where, you know, this obsession with prospects and this obsession with, you know, what they're worth, like, you know, like you, you, you've been following it for years and like, you've had your heart broken by a number of prospects over the years, right? Like we'll know, never uh, be the same. Travis Snyder changed Tra- me forever. Travis Snyder is the name that was right on the tip of my tongue too. Cause uh, I was talking to someone about him today and, you know, just about how sure we were about him. Right. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, when he came up and then you just, he had the, that series in Minnesota where, you know, it was just pounding home runs. You're just like, man, it's uh, there it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like kids will break your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. By and large, like the vast mm-hmm. majority of them will not become what you think they're going to. So at a certain point, just just live for the day, you know, when you have an opportunity to win. And I, I think that uh, I agree. And also that we'll see teams value like maybe the blue chip guys a little bit differently from the, the solid regular guys, which again, we're, we're I we've falling over ourselves to be like Austin Martin's good. He's going to be a good player. Like, but at the same time, it's like, if he's not a superstar, like it's, we're not talking about Bo Bichette, you know, four years ago, we're not talking about Vladimir Guerrero jr. We're not talking about Wander Franco. Like those guys are still not going to move when you get to, when you get a guy that is getting into that 65, 70, 75 future value sort of players, like those guys are going to stay put. But if, when you are do, I I think when you do what the blue Jays have done and build up a bit of a, a stable of, of, players who are 50 55 sort of uh, average big league regular maybe a little bit above average big league regular you start to think about jordan groshans and other players like when you have two or three of them you can afford to make a move for one of them but the other thing the thing i want to ask you though as well is the barrios trade i think is is 
perfect because it's not just win now. They didn't do this for Max Scherzer, which right. I, which or or even uh, you know Kyle Gibson and, and Ian Kennedy. This was not just a win now. This is get better immediately, but stay better as well into the future. Which I I, I I'm ask I'll ask you like that is a big differentiator. They wouldn't have paid this price for a rental rental. I I think that's not no. I'm not not out of bounds by saying that. No, no, you're you're 100 percent correct in saying that. And you know the uh, the other piece, which I touched on a little bit earlier, is I, I do think the Blue Jays are looking at this and saying it's really hard in general to get elite starting pitchers to come to the American League East, right? Because who, unless you're Garrett Cole and you're a little bit psycho, like who wants to come to this division to you know get your brains beat in a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And to to have to grind through that, uh, so. You know, you get it. one thing that you know the Blue Jays have had issues getting guys to come here, but once guys are here, they're generally able to keep whoever they want to keep, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like anybody they've wanted to extend, they've been able to extend like for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get Barrios here, like free agency. Do you, can you bring him here? Maybe, but now you've got some time. You know, he's got, he gets to know Pete Walker. He gets to know the situation, gets to know the city. Maybe his family likes it here, feels super comfortable. Um, You know, this is a, this is a very friendly community to anybody, to to Latin Americans, to anybody who's, you know, not, not American per se. So Mm -hmm. there's an inherent advantage there and maybe push comes to shove and free agency that gives you a bit of an edge. And so, you know, I, I, that's that's obviously not the driving factor, but that's part of what you're paying for too. You're paying for the head start with with Barrios there, and and look, you know, they're going to need pitchers like this. I, I do think the Blue Jays have in this current cycle another mega contract in them. Um, maybe maybe it's to him. I, I love that idea, and I think that Robbie Ray is a great kind of like proof point for that. Where it's like, come in, see how we do things. Like we can help you, you know, be a competitor. Because I think it's easy it, when you say like, no one wants to come here to get their brains beaten. My first thought is like, well, they get paid all the same, but at the same time, these guys are competitors. They want to go out, they want to win, they want to do their best. So if there's that opportunity to say, we can help you to get even better, we can help you to, we'll give you a whole big bag full of money, and you'll be pitching in big games. And winning because that's what we're about here. I think that I definitely think that's a that's an attractive value add. And and if it, if it's not a ma- if it's not a match, if the guy you know if they're not on the same wavelength, then so be it. Then you all I mean it cost you prospects, but they played for you now, and now they're off they go, and and you can continue to make those kind of uh, those kind of uh, decisions. We'll be right back with more spin rate, but first check this out. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is sort of off script a little bit, but, but, but uh, 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 mega contracts and extensions, do you have a sense of like, are those conversations happening around around like the homegrown guys? I mean, I'm sure that maybe numbers get floated out here and there, but uh, I mean, you know, everyone everyone who watches the Blue Jays game would love to know that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is in for the long haul. But I think maybe it's probably a little bit too early to start thinking about that stuff. It's interesting because it's funny. Uh, somebody somebody said sent me something right after Vlad won MVP uh, mm-hmm. at the Oster game. It was like, you know, do you think, or it was something like, I think. 10 at 350 is not an unreasonable number for an extension for Vlad at this point. Um, And, you know, I was going back and forth and, you know, I, I, maybe, I, maybe I'm just still thinking about the having trouble thinking or wrapping my mind, my mind around sort of this new era of blue Jays, but I still can't see them going to, to that, a number like that. Uh, But, with Vlad and with Bo, I think the challenge is like there's not much incentive for them to sign one of those deals, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they they both did well in, in bonuses uh, at the beginning of their career. You know, they both come from family from from fathers who did very well in their own baseball careers. Like, there's not there's not there's no desperation of money, and like you know, those are both guys who are super confident who probably want to max out on their value. So, I I I, I I'm sure that there has been at least some sort of casual conversation about it. Whether it got beyond that, I'm not. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. But I, I think that sweet spot between, you know, how much you know where where the team and the player share risk in terms of you know what the player gives up in up, upside versus what the team gives up in guaranteed dollars. I don't know if there's a middle point where they can both get there. Right, because you know mm-hmm. Vlad, Vlad thinks he's going to be better than he's de- he's definitely not doing an Acuna contract, right? In, which would which is good for him. Jeez, that would he'd be like given just handing over bags of money to the Blue Jays, right? Exactly, and you know I think that he'd be looking to to surpass Tatis, and you know knowing Bo Bichette, Bo Bichette probably thinks he's in that Tatis neighborhood too. I just think those are going to be really difficult contracts for for the Blue Jays and. And uh, there's also still a part of me that wonders if the Blue Jays want to see Vlad do it again, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, you know, Vlad's been through a lot. You know, they've been through a lot with him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they, like, everybody's expected him to be this and expect him to be this for a long time. Uh, but if I'm, if I'm being frank, you know, I wonder if there's just a part of them that wonders is like, do they have, you know, Prince Fielder on their hands in, you know, seven or eight years? 
And, you know, I, I think that they, they would model it out that way and they might mm-hmm. land at that conclusion. I, I don't think it's un, unfair if, if you're the team to think about it that way in, because you've seen that the production is contingent on his ability to be fit. Mm-hmm. The, the physical fitness unlocked his ability to be who he is. So, you know, if he, he's going to get a big raise this, this winter, and I, and I think the thing that, that I want to move on to talking about too is that he is like undoubtedly now the face of the franchise. And I think having them come back and play in front of the fans in Toronto has, you know, I, I put that in my newsletter today, just like it's so his team. It is, it is his crowd. Everyone's eating out of his hands. You know, just like the ball makes a different sound coming off the bat. The crowd makes a different noise when he's coming up. The, the opposing crowds make a different noise when the ball comes off his bat. He's, he is like a, a getting to be a super, super, like he is a superstar in, in, the, in the game of baseball that I, I can't remember the last time, you know, the Blue Jays had one of these. Josh Donaldson is too much of a prick to be that like in, 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 in the best way possible. Like he doesn't care about that stuff. He's too busy being an asshole. And Jose Bautista was like a little bit older. So like, but everything I think for Vlad is just like, it's all right there. It's all kind of in the palm of his hands. And I'd love to get your sense of watching this game and seeing this team and these, these exciting players in front of this crowd. Did it, you know, was just the feeling of that energy running through the ballpark. It must, it's a lot different than watching it on TV or watching it on a monitor when you're uh, in the studio. Oh dear Lord, uh, it's it's so different, and uh, you know it's not that I, w- I was surprised by how much you miss, but you know it overwhelmed me at first, just like how much you don't see through mm-hmm. the monitor and how much how much of that feel that you miss. And um, look, you, you Vlad, Vlad is all the things you just said, and he's at the, he's now on a national plane too. You know that really. That really hit home for me uh, during All Star Week in Denver, where you know his face is just plastered everywhere. Right, you go to the to the All Star Fan mm. Fest, and he's right there with you know Tatis and Degrom, and you know all the, the the brightest lights of the game. You know that's and he's he's it's his face that's on lamppost, right? His jersey's for sale, like that's the plane that he's on at this point. Uh, so the the connection, you know, basically, you know, this happened for half a season away from Toronto. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, now he's home and he's ours. And there's going to be that connection uh, because he's homegrown and everybody's been waiting for this almost from the moment he signed in 2015. And as he stomped his way through the farm system and you were like, okay, this is the second coming of Carlos Delgado or something along those lines. Uh, and yeah, he's that good, right? Like he's legitimately that good. And, you know, the one thing, you know, when we talked about, you know, mentioned the, the Prince Fielder comp as just throw, to throw that out there, you know, the one thing is that he's so driven to be elite mm. that I don't know that, you know, that would assuage some of my concerns. Now, it's not my $300 million, so <laughs> it's a lot easier for me to say that, but you know, you're more of a stocks and bonds guy. You're not investing. Yeah, in exactly. You, you know, you yeah. play in the market. Yeah, you know, like yeah, very conservative with my hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, <laughs> the he's he's so driven. Like he's intent. I think on bettering his dad's career. Right. Like that's what that's kind of like the way. That's sort of the 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 strata of how he sets his 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 goals and dreams. Right. Like, you know, you have a guy who's like that 
and who's charismatic and who's you know really the center of attention that is likable um that is so engaging in so many different ways um you know i mean it's tough to let that go right like Mm -hmm. you know if you're going to spend on somebody like this is who you should spend for spend it on right and it you know to me one they're sort of a few great champs in blue jays history one of them is that carlos delgado didn't finish his career here that Roy mm-hmm. Halliday didn't finish his career here, and you know the you know you'd like to see that you know someone like Vladdy who's you know come through the system, like someone like Bo who's come up through the system, you know you'd like to see them be able to go wire to wire because you know they're you know at least you can project them as being productive you know late into their careers. And even I think that the thing with Vlad, you know, it's so it's so interesting to hear you describe that experience of the All Star game because. You know, Carlos Delgado played in the in the '90s and into the you know the turn of the century, where there was no instantly highlights are are shared across social media, where you know you, me, and and our kid sister are are tweeting out uh, a you know video like live HD video seconds after it happens, such such that instantly his when a great season like this is happening everybody who's attached to baseball knows where carlos delgado might have been happening a little bit more quietly uh, you know mm-hmm. a very carlos delgado in some ways could have been all of those things a tremendous statesman for the game you know beautiful smile great looking guy you know everything you would want in an athlete but just the time maybe the time wasn't right where here's vlad and he's having so much fun and you know you know the camera the sports night camera on the on, on, on the weekend just it couldn't turn away from him because he was always doing something it's i think you're right that that if you if you are running a professional sports team and you're not only in the business of win, of, of winning baseball games but also in being an entertainment brand essentially you could do a lot worse than uh, kind of sticking your, your flagpole in with a guy with a guy like vladimir guerrero jr you know the the other thing that strikes me is you know, it's interesting kind of hear the way you're describing Delgado, but Delgado was also caught in that generation that was still like buttoned down and you can't, mm-hmm. you can't let, you know, you can't let your emotions take over and you can't have fun. You kind of have to, you know, be there and act like you've done it before and, and that whole mentality. And, you know, and Delgado was a different guy because, you know, he, he had thoughts about, about, more important things in society than mm-hmm. baseball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he, he wouldn't, you know, I think there was a part of him that didn't want to kind of get too far out in the public with some of those things, not because he wasn't passionate about it or didn't believe in it, but because the game just sort of frowned upon that. Mm-hmm. So he just did his thing and, you know, uh, stayed true to his convictions uh, and, but, but didn't grandstand about it. Whereas I think today, you know, it's far more acceptable for players to, to, you know, have an opinion and to stand out. Uh, and, you know, if you're willing to kind of be there to, to, to take the heat, but, but also to just have fun. And I don't know, I try not to get caught up in the, we love each other narratives too much because, you know, every team loves each other when it's, when things are going well. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the real test of how much you love one another is when you're in utter misery, misery together, right? Like when you're losing 95 games, like they did in 2019, you know, let's mm-hmm. see how much you love each other at that point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there is, there is something to the bond that they have. Like, like mm-hmm. these guys have been through a fair bit over the past year and a half. Like, and, you know, obviously this is relative to what everybody's been dealing with to the pandemic. And, you know, let's kind of make sure that 
that's being framed in the proper context. But, mm-hmm. you know, from a baseball perspective, you know, to, to be stuck in a minor league ballpark in a city that isn't your own without your amenities and having to face challenges that you alone out of 30 clubs have to face. Uh, and then, you know, this year to have to move three separate times, you know, to have to operate under different protocols than everybody else, uh, because, you know, thankfully we have a government that, you know, isn't completely punting on the pandemic. Uh, You're not you quite know. on your own. Not, not quite. <laughs> um, you know, like for them to, you know, that, that's, a, that's a bond that they'll have for, for forever. I think that they'll have like, uh, you know, the, the COVID years bond in a way that other, other teams won't, or at a, maybe at a deeper level than, than other teams. And, you know, there's, there's genuine care for one another, you know, like they're not, you, you don't see a lot of, you know, I, you know, I should be the guy or that was my AB or you don't see any of that sort of pouting in, mm. in that dugout, right? You see a lot of celebration. You see a lot of guys who are happy for one another when, when they get a hit or hit a home run. There's just, there's a, there is something to that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that I can put my finger on it just yet, but there is more to that relationship than is typical. Uh, and, I, and I do believe that's meaningful. I will not stand for this Sean Green and Carlos Delgado erasure. These these kids, these children, these these Gen Gen Zs and millennials, they don't they don't know what they missed with 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 Sean Green and 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 Carlos Delgado. Talk great players, you know, guys that that got along famously. I read Sean Green's mm-hmm. book, and let me tell you, I learned a lot. I thought it was terrific. Yeah, but no, uh, that was a great era. Like that that team, that that to me is the sort of the the cautionary tale for this group of mm-hmm. regions, right? Like you just think about that group of talent. So you had. Carlos Delgado, Sean Green, Alex Gonzalez, Shannon Stewart, uh, Roy Halladay, sort of on the on the latter part of that. Chris Carpenter, Kelvin Escobar, like you have to win with that group. Like, and I know what the American League East was at the time and and the challenges they faced, but that is a lost opportunity that that team that you know they weren't able to push that group over. Like that's that's a group that should have been good for at least a division title or two. It, you know, at least a wild card maybe, but you know, the, the league was, the, the division was stacked against them. Certainly if they're in any other division, they're going to the playoffs multiple times, I would wager. Um, but you know, the, you know, if, if this, you know, the thing that, you know, going into the, this past off season, you know, the Blue Jays had to make a move like a George Springer or something like that, Marcus Simeon, because you got to give this this talent, this collection of talent that you have, an opportunity, and you've got like another wave of prospects coming. You know, the this franchise is positioned really, really well. Um, and you know, I think that that era that of Blue Jays that you're just talking about, you know, that's that's the loss, right? That's where where you really missed an opportunity. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.
This era of Blue Jays baseball has a couple, couple pretty exciting months uh, ahead. I'll let you go after this, but what is it you're looking forward to seeing? You know, coming down the stretch here. I mean, I think the, while the Blue Jays have a mountain to climb in terms of teams ahead of them in the wild card and the division, I don't think that there's any reason to to think that. I don't believe there's anything that makes them worse than any of the teams ahead of them. They have the chance to be better. They have a pretty favorable schedule. What do you think? Like, are, are you looking forward to, to some pretty uh, tense games and some uh, a good battle for the division in the playoffs coming down the stretch? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You would think that the the you know the run differential differential is going to show up more in the one loss, and that the 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 win expectancy will normalize to to an extent. Um, I'm really interested to see what Nate Pearson does for this team, right? He's, he threw a, he threw a simulated game today. He's going to be in a, in a game in Florida in the next few days. And then to triple a Buffalo after that, you know, maybe he's, you know, a week and a half, two weeks away, maybe less to, if everything goes well, it, you know, if you add just, just that one elite arm to the bullpen, if he's that elite arm, you know, then all of a sudden the bullpen looks a lot more stable and you know you can you look at some combination of uh, you know Meza with with Simber and and Romano and Pearson and you know, you know Richards. You're like, all right, well maybe the, these guys can lock down those close games because that, that's what's killed this team, right? Like mm-hmm. like they have left so many games on the table, which you know all you have to do is win half of those. You know half of those, and they're the Boston Red Sox right now. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the, that's how thin the margin is. And I'm really curious to see if they can close it. And, you know, and, and if they don't, you know, there, there are going to be some serious laments over, you know, not, not being able to, you know, augment that bullpen in time is that's, that to me is where, you know, th- this season will be lost if it doesn't happen. Um, it, it was just, just that, that stretch, you know, injuries happened and they had some bad luck and, you know, I do like their approach. You know, they took some big swings. They, they try to get sort of, you know, low dollar, high, uh, high risk, high return re- relief signings. And, you know, unfortunately they all went bust, uh, but you know, they, they, they swung for impact. Um, and, you know, I think that's what they should be doing, but, you know, maybe there was a more balanced approach to take, and that might be the lesson to take into next off season. But you know, it's going to be really fun to watch because you know, win or lose, this team's generally entertaining, and you know, they they make it interesting right to to the last out more often than not. So uh, that that's what I'm curious to see. You know, like we, you know, I've 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 done the 2015 narrative a lot, um, and maybe it ends up on a similar trajectory. You know, I, I think you're, you 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 are right, and I agree that uh, it's not even the team is so good, and the the core is in place that Nate Pearson doesn't have to come in and be lights out. He doesn't have to come in and, and turn into you know whoever. I'm trying to think of like a a guy who went well, Kirby Yates in like 2019. Like doesn't have to come in and sh- strike everybody out. Just like Corey Dickerson doesn't have to come in and be. You know, Joey Gallo doesn't have to come in and be a huge difference maker. He gives them a little bit of a different look. He gives them a little bit of depth. It gives them a lot of options. And suddenly the team becomes just that much more dangerous because they have more than one way to beat you. And they are not as vulnerable, I think, to A, the late season, the late inning collapses and also maybe the late inning big arms. I think that those small moves on top of the 
pile of talent could really be a big uh, big difference maker when the games get tight. Yeah, I agree. The, to, to me, it's like, uh, you know, I use this analogy a lot in 2015 and I really should come up with a better one uh, <laughs> because I've used it a couple times this year and I'm like, maybe just my creative juices aren't there. But, you know, it's almost like you've got like a mansion and there's just like these leaks in the basement, these constant little leaks in the basement. And it's just, can you patch up those leaks in the basement? And then you've got like this amazing mansion. Uh, but, you know, until, you, you know, like for in the on the 2015 team, it was the shortstop defense, outfield defense, and the bullpen, you know, and then, you know, Sanchez to the bullpen, along with Lowe and Hawkins, you know, that, that short up the bullpen, you know, Tulowitzki took care of the, took care of shortstop and Ben Revere tightened up defense uh, in left. And all of a sudden, you know, that was an airtight team. And, you know, for this club, it's sort of similar, right? Like you've had some defensive issues, uh, you know, at third base a little bit in the outfield on occasion. Now you've got Dickerson. Espinal is going to be playing a little bit more at third base, especially while Biggio's out. And then fix that bullpen. You know, that bullpen has been the, the main source of the leaks. And, you know, you're not relying on, you know, the Anthony Castro's and Joel Piamps of the world to close out games. And, you know, they, they got thrust into those, into those roles out of desperation. Uh, it was probably unfair to them and unfair to the team, but, you know, desperate times, desperate measures. And, you know, if now they have some, some better guys and, and if Pearson can just be that little bit of a boost, if he can be the, the Sanchez of this year, then I, I don't know, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be worried if you're the other clubs because, you know, the, the Blue Jays, you know, the big reason why the Rays and the Red Sox are where they are is because, you know, the Blue Jays have blown so many leads late against them. To them specifically, exactly. Specifically, uh, Shai, those teams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shai, thank you so much. Uh, let, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find your work, and what they can uh, look forward to seeing or hearing from you in the coming days and weeks. All right. Sportsnet.ca is uh, 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 Blue Jays Central pregame show. And, uh, you know, on, on social on occasion when I, uh, uh, you know, when, when, we get, when we get to it. So, you know, the, I appreciate everybody following and I appreciate you having me on the, on the podcast again. It is absolutely my pleasure, sir. Thank you so much. Have yourself a great evening.